0: All right, everybody, we have got a great, big, fat Sunday show for you. So, of course, Sunday brings you VC Sunday School and This Week in Climate Startups. I'm super excited about our interview mm. today because I'm talking to my first founder. Literally, mm. as soon as I said I was leaving for VC, she hit me up on LinkedIn before I'd even started this job. Anu Freedom Gupta Fauner of springeats.com, who is in our accelerator now. What is springeats.com?
1: Founder. Maybe you could explain it.
0: Yeah, an amazing mission it's bringing its sources and delivers zero waste groceries. So they find them, they package them in reusable packaging, and they deliver them in refillable, returnable plastic free jars and bags in electric cars. And plus, freedom herself lives a zero waste life. So you get these tips uh, on how to like cut plastic and packaging out of your life. It's fascinating. I, I just I fell in love with this concept
1: when you brought it to me. It's an operationally hard business but it's one the world needs I may imagine you get your pantry and your uh, refrigerator stock with a bunch of mason jars just that's but one example of a container just and all yeah. of a sudden you open it up and it's beautiful life your flour your sugar whatever you got is just nice and clean and then what do you do you you, you, you rinse the jars you give them back they yeah. they sanitize them and you bring them back and you never are ripping open plastic i mean just
0: cereal boxes come on people i know We're wasting
1: card. then that's cardboard
0: cardboard with plastic on the inside it's inside come on. yeah, yeah okay. I just mean, give really... it to me in a
1: mason jar give it to me in a glass bottle or something and let's save the goddamn planet but before First. we get to that mm-hmm. we have a great great vc sunday school where we go over all the statistics about the great change we'll debate if it's enough or what if, if this is a fast pace or a slow pace but the pace of female-led, woman-led venture firms is accelerating, and that's great news. And we also get into a discussion about the new lane in venture, how you, as an underrepresented, underestimated, whatever term you like, can kind of take your own lane and get and break into the VC
0: industry. It's going to be a great episode. It is a great episode. Stick with us. hmm mm.
2: This week in Startups is brought to you by Active Campaign. The hardest thing in business is turning a lead into a customer into a repeat customer. Simplify the process and start creating repeat customers with 10% off your Active Campaign subscription today. At ActiveCampaign.com slash promo slash twist. Reforge. Reforge is a career development platform for top-tier professionals in growth product, marketing, and engineering. Their summer cohort starts July 18th, so apply for membership today at reforge.com slash twist. And Liquid IV. Making hydration a priority will help you feel better on a day-to-day basis. Get 25% off at liquidiv.com by using promo code TWIST.
0: Hey, everybody, welcome to Sunday, VC Sunday School. We're just looking at the numbers, actually. Mm. Specifically, PitchBook gathered a bunch of data for the information about women-led VC funds. We've been sort of wondering when some of this imbalance was going to correct itself in the world of venture capital. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, and it has, which is great news, right? We're starting to see some changes. In 2021, the number of US VC funds raising money where the most decision makers are women, uh, rose to 52, up from 29. And that's an important qualifier there. They're not saying there's a decision maker. They're not saying there's a, a female in the building. People played with those stats. This is saying where most decision makers, the majority of decision makers, which to me would be a, dare I say, a um, female-led fund.
0: Yeah. P- probably, yeah. Uh, those funds, so that, as we mentioned, was up from 29 in 2020, almost doubled. Those funds raised $3.7 billion, uh, wow. which, again, was more than double the $1.8 billion in 2020. And in 2022, so far, women-led fundraising has already surpassed last year.
1: Wow. So we're moving on a, a clip. This is an undeniable uh, trend. Through mid-April, 16 women-led funds have already raised $4.5 exceeding last year's total in under five months. This year's jump was largely due to $2.5 being raised by two women-led funds.
0: So it looks like I'm trying to look up how many VC funds exist in total um, so that we can mm. put this number into some context, which I think is valuable because it's nice that the number almost doubled. But the total yeah. number of firms listed in the USA, uh, real quickly, seemed to be 1,816. Right. So of those one thousand eight hundred and sixteen, the number of U.S. funds uh, where most of the decision making makers are women is fifty-two. Yeah, I mean every ten is
1: one percent improving.
0: Yeah, but it's fifty-two.
1: There's going to be a drag here, Molly, because you have so many funds um, that were historically uh, Mm -hmm. male-led or one hundred percent male in some cases, and those changing. As I've always said you know, uh they last three years funds typically. So you might add one partner, every two funds or three funds, most funds, you know, people retire after doing four or five funds. So if you have five partners, that means every year, on average, one leaves. So for it to become female led or to, you know, even, uh, you know, have any kind of balance here, it just takes, you know, long cycles. And so in fairness, uh, to the numbers, the change is slow in this. It's not like a company where you're adding a thousand employees a year. You add very small, you had very, you only add partners or swap them out every couple of years. Yeah. So this is yeah. more like the presidency of the United States or an administration where it changes every four to eight years. So if you think about it like that, that's the pace of change you're going to experience unless starting new funds because new right. funds can be started anytime because they start with seeing. a blank slate and that's what we're seeing is the changes yes. in the new funds women have had enough in my mind they don't want to go work somewhere in fact Katie Hahn of Hahn Ventures uh she and she raised that big giant uh, crypto fund mm-hmm. she was at Intreese and in Horowitz mm-hmm. we don't know why she left but that would be a great example of a male led fund uh the two founders are male probably the first 5 or 10 partners I don't know this to be exact but to my memory were I, uh, the f- it was overwhelmingly male when they started adding people already Dreesen horowitz she left to start her own so yeah. I, I don't know your interpretation or what the back channel is molly now
0: that you're in the venture game but am i correct well. that the back channel would be we'll just start ex- our own it's exactly what you're saying right it's like yeah. it, women either don't get promoted to partner and they don't know why and so they end up leaving mm-hmm. um or they don't get promoted to partner because of what you said which is that, that these yeah. firms are like we have You know, if it's a replacement theory situation and these firms are like, well, we already have eight partners, so we can't do anything about it. Right. Mm -hmm. Then then they're going to leave and start their own. And that is also a slow process. And I don't mean to you know, I mean, like that is amazing. Right. This year's jump in fundraising uh, among women led funds is because two of these women, Katie Hahn and Kirsten Green at Forerunner Ventures together raised two and a half billion dollars more money than all of the women-led funds did in 2020. So I'll take whatever creep, but I still want to acknowledge it's a creep, right? Never be satisfied. <laughs> like celebrate your wins, but okay. never be satisfied. 52 out of 1800 is not a stand up I'll, and cheer. I'll,
1: well, I, um, I may take the other side of it because the I feel like this is going to, this is accelerating, which is another good trend. Mm-hmm. Um, and
0: you but know, some of those funds might have to boost the poor is performing number eight to make room for a woman and so is my question is how many of them are willing to do that i, I if you got a, if you've got one who's like mediocre yeah. and coasting you make the it's call. hard to fire people fra- who are partners
1: in something right it's it's really hard um because mm-hmm. they own a piece of it essentially so it's very hard to remove people from a partnership which is a good observation on your part um the firing doesn't generally happen they get pushed out which mm-hmm. means pressure so it's not a strict you know firing you can't really do it that way um yeah a good BC sunday, look,
0: that's a good extra bc sunday school thing by the way though is like how hard is it to get how hard is it
1: right yeah. uh, and and you know i think what we're going to see is now also micro funds smaller funds like i did my first one 10 million second one 11 third 44 we'll see what the fourth one is um probably be a, a, a you know a, a triple of that i would guess double triple quadruple you have to build up credibility over time even myself you know as a as a very high profile you know very successful angel it took me time it took me a decade and uh, i'm a white male so if this is about privilege and about signaling even for me it's taken time uh and so if women are you know maybe um you know if there's still some bias against women from lps i don't know that's the case i think it's kind of the opposite i think lps are, are rooting for this change now uh, a lot of lps are backing this that's what we're seeing yeah, the lp cannot lps that, are sure. no i i I, I can exp- actually we're going to do it in vc sunday school what i'll say is independent lps like high net worth individuals very much want to see this change and that's mm-hmm. what's driving this and then selectively at the big lps so i'd say the majority of the people who are writing their own checks for money they overwhelmingly want to see this change that's why we're seeing so many people of color so many women raising funds um you know these new small funds one solo gp two gps you are correct that yeah. the big institutions maybe aren't moving as fast, Molly. So then you have to ask, why aren't the big institutions moving as fast? Right. Valid question with right. the big numbers. And that's actually a more complex one as well, which is they, they're just not adding more managers because they have too many managers. So there's indigestion there as well in the cycle. Mm-hmm. But if, but 10, I would say that 1800 numbers a little bit uh, misleading as well. So let's, I would say the numbers more like there's a thousand viable funds, firms out there. If there is a thousand viable firms and we add 10 to 20, it means one to 2% change a year. Which means uh, this is going to quickly change. And I think it's accelerating. Um, and so yeah. I am super optimistic about it. I mean, but I can understand.
0: Going. Keep going. I
1: can understand as a woman, uh, you being like, show me. Show, show me. me. Be-
0: because well, the numbers I, just, are, yeah. I think the context really matters. Like I just, I'm, mm. you know, that's my deal. I just want to mm. put these numbers in context. So yeah. it is great. I agree with you that it's accelerating. I do think that yes. there's more value being placed on it. It is not, mm. I don't want to like read off that number and be like, it more than doubled and then be like, we're done because we're not done. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's good. I mean, it, it's clearly accelerating. Like, if in the first five months we've already exceeded last year, that's accelerating.
1: So, yeah. um, and, and the fact that there are examples of billion dollar funds being raised by women is another high water mark, right? That's and amazing. It that didn't, didn't previously exist. Full so, stop. Yeah. In one way that, see, this is the thing with numbers, especially when things are nascent like this, people, can then shape the numbers to fit a narrative. So a lot of times people say, well, what about venture dollars going to work? The majority of venture-backed dollars are going to work in male-run CEO companies. Okay, well, you use the term CEO, not founders. Okay, so that's a qualifier. Take that qualifier out and just say, with a female founder, it's going to be a different number. And then there's the overhang. Mm-hmm. Young companies need raise small amounts of money. The survivorship bias of the big companies from 10 years ago raising now when there was a lot of bias in the system and there weren't a lot of female founders and you put the caveat of CEO led, you've now reduced out, a, uh, you've netted out a bunch of women who are co-founders in the company and because they survived, they raised larger amounts of money. So 10-year-old companies are raising hundreds of millions or billions and month old companies, two-year-old companies are raising hundreds of thousands of millions. So you mm-hmm. got to look at the number of deals being done. That's what I think. If you want to be intellectually honest, what are the number yeah, of deals? Right.
0: And I think call us.
1: We have a request. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, so, but you understand my point about this? I I, do? I, I know it's a subtle yeah. point for people, but I encourage people to be intellectually honest about this. Because also with the funds, the number of funds being created, if you did it by dollar amount, well, the latest Andreessen or Sequoia or whatever billion dollar fund is $110 million funds. So when you look at the number of funds being created, it looks, paints a better picture. When you look at the dollars being raised, it paints a worse picture. Totally. You gotta look at both of these things. I look, I always try to look at both, right? And then context,
0: context, context.
1: Are you tired of doing tedious manual tasks like moving information around, checking for customer replies, sending emails? Well, then you need to check out campaign so you can start spending time on more important things. Active campaign lets you create personalized experiences for your customers and it saves you time while you do it. Because once you have these custom pathways created, you can automate them. This means you're going to save time and provide tailored customer experiences at scale. It's a win-win for everybody. Active campaign, Let me explain to you what's going on here. It lets you automate your email marketing, all of your sales pipelines, reporting, follow up emails, scheduling notifications, and more. So here is your call to action. If you're running a startup or an at scale business, everything in between, you can start creating personalized customer experiences. And you're going to get 10% off your active campaign subscription today at ActiveCampaign.com slash promo slash twist. Two slashes in there. ActiveCampaign.com slash promo slash twist. And you're going to get 10% off if you go to that URL. Well done, ActiveCampaign. All right, and there's some more data here from Q1 of 2022, which I think furthers our discussion, uh, mm-hmm. Molly. Maybe you could summarize it.
0: Yeah, more great context. In Q1 of this year, 199 funds raised $73.8 billion, almost $74 billion in commitments, <laughs> which... By the way, the slowdown hasn't hit yet. Um, total funds in Q1, 8% of those funds mm. raised were women-led, $4.5 billion out of that 74. And the dollar amount of commitments in Q1, 6% of total funding was from women-led funds, 16 out of 199. So again, better. Mm. Keep, going. Yeah. Keep, going. Well, yeah. Keep going. Keep going. That's what I'm saying. Keep going. Um, Cheer lead. Cheer your lead. And
1: I will, I'll say something else. Uh, women have to start their own funds i've been saying this for a long time um i think waiting and i also think people of color and it's it is hard i'm not saying Mm -hmm. it's easy and i'm not saying i didn't have it easier so caveat 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 i know it's hard i know i had it easier not looking for a cookie but we're just talking facts here Yeah, yeah uh and there are people who had it easier than me that went to stanford instead of fordham so everybody's got a different starting point in this but i actually believe it's easier as a path to either join a new first-year fund as somebody who is underrepresented in these numbers, or to start your own. And you know, we've had countless people. I think our last season of Angel, um, we had so many underrepresented uh, fund managers. Uh, it was just amazing. And when I started that series four years ago, it wasn't easy to find people of color or women-led yeah. funds. I mean, and you know this as somebody in journalism who is looking for subjects. Yeah, or you know, you're looking for speakers yeah. at conferences, or you know, you're like, we need to have more diversity in guests. I can tell you just anecdotally from booking these and working with producers on booking ten, you know, folks. It's like, oh, we had that person on, we had that person on, we had that person on. We were cycling through the same ten names. Okay, Alien Lee. Okay, this person. Okay, this person. Ah, and it was like all of a sudden these new faces started
0: showing up, yeah. and so this is trending in the right way. And the you rules have yeah. kind of changed in a way that makes it easier too. You can now do these um, public fundraises, right? And you can five hundred six C. Great five hundred six C has, I think, made a massive difference because you can raise in public in that way. You can build like a brand out of it, and yeah. you can do it on the back of an assure or an angel list where you can totally yeah. do a ten million dollar fund, deploy yeah. capital a without having fund. to support an entire staff. Like there are just, uh, there are mechanisms that it seems like have been created that I have learned about from the angel series that have made it much more viable for people to raise their own fund. So I mean, rolling funds
1: it. or just doing SPVs, you know, listen, I, I've, we've done 250 plus SPVs. Now we just crossed that threshold this past week. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was like, whoa, we've done a lot. Of, uh, 250 is a big number. But I saw big 250. Number. I was like, well, so I guess that means we're going to hit 500. I was like, wait a second. We're going to hit a thousand at some point. Good job. Us. Extraordinary. you know, like. Yeah. If you just think about it, uh, you know, a thousand at a million dollar average would be.
0: Oh, I have no idea. I don't I don't I don't do math on the fly. <laughs> a billion. <laughs> a billion. I know I'm totally like a hundred million journalists plus numbers equals mistakes. Jason. I do this all on a calculator. I do this to people all the time, but I know just add the zeros. Just um, add the zeros. I did some math in a in a founder meeting yesterday, it would have been so proud. back of the envelope. Just I, I did, I, I'm going to buy everybody,
1: I'm going to buy everybody a calculator. And I was the, like, well, one well, one and that can, of... But I'd have to buy a calculator that does uh, billions and trillions uh, for folks. Uh, the, the long and short of it is yes, 506c exists. And so yeah. remember I said before, individuals want to support this and can support it easier than institutions. So if you want to paint the worst picture of this, Here's what you do as a new fund manager. Try to go after the giant um institutions and get them to back your first time fund. Mm-hmm. Guess what? I'm going into my fourth fund. I don't have any of those big institutions. I have fund of funds. I have, you know, mm-hmm. other venture firms, I have high net worth. <laughs> like not to be a jerk here, but I'm Jason Calacanis. I wrote the book on angel investing. I don't have Harvard. I don't have Yale. Yeah. I yeah. don't have CalPERS. I mean, I'm also a solo GP and I've taken a different path, but you could really paint a horrible picture of this and you could hit a brick wall by trying to get giant, you know, endowments and universities and retirement funds to try to back you as a nobody. Yeah. Um, and then you would think the whole world is biased against you. Then you could have a completely different experience. You try mm-hmm. to get a hundred people to give you $25,000 or 10,000 each. Get a hundred people to give you 10,000 each. It adds up. Yep. It's a million dollars. Then put a million dollars to work, fifty k at a time, twenty companies, and then do SPVs with the best, and then you'll get a totally different experience. So mm-hmm. people are going at this mm-hmm. strategically. And I had this beef one weekend uh, when I was in LA. You might have remembered, and one person of color was you know arguing with me over this, and another person of color, uh, ten other people of color who actually raised their funds were backing me up on this, and I was like, you're running into a brick wall like head first. That you're never going to knock the wall down with your skull. But if you go this way, you can literally walk around the wall, find a hundred allies who want to give you $10,000 and then build a track record. And they're like, I don't want to build a track record. I want to convince those people they're racist. And I'm like, or sexist or whatever it is.
0: I'm like, yeah I, I think you're tilting out windmills here and there's a an easier solution. Just let them slowly die and create a new system.
1: Or yeah. Build up or build up your own track record and make it undeniable. And, yeah. you know, that's what I did. I, people did not want to back me in the beginning because they were like, Jake House, this kid from Brooklyn, he's too rough around the edges. And you know what I said, Molly? I said, I'm going to be so f-ing good. You will have to deal with me. That's what I said. I said, uh, you, oh, you don't. Know, I, I took it as such an affront when I got the nose. I said, okay. Yeah. You know what I'm going to do? Yeah. I'm going to build the world's largest syndicate. I'm going to get to 10,000 members and I don't need you and i literally said it to one of them i said i just want to let you know now's when i need your support launch fund two and they said yeah we realize that we don't support you now we you know you might we you might not take our money for three or four i said now's the time for you to make a bold bet on me and they were like no we can't we right. need to see more performance that's not our business we don't make bold bets Yeah, <laughs> and they just laid it out for me and i yeah. said you understand i have like Almost a thousand people in my syndicate. I said, "When this book drops, when my book comes out, it's going to go to ten thousand, and then I won't need you." And I'm going to remember you didn't support me here. And the, the person looked me dead in the eyes and said, "We don't understand that. Actually, we understand that we mm-hmm. can't support you now. That we need more of a track record. What you need to understand, Jason, is we're an institution, and I have to go twice a year in front of a board of directors with my endowment." and explain to them this is somebody who i had a little bit more of a candid personal relationship with right and they said listen i have to go to them and i have to justify my existence and my job here and i'm able to basically go to bat for one new fund a year one a year to add to the collection Mm -hmm. and that one i have 10 of those right now with that are on their third or fourth funds that have 10 times the track record of you Cal. i want to support you I'm not designed to do it. There were limitations to my job as an LP. Yeah. And that's when I was like, okay. And I said to him, I said, I'll let you in for launch fund three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> I, and then I just totally changed my thinking because I was <laughs> like, you right. know me, I'm a right. little. And I was a little more, you know, when we got into our spat back in the scene that days so within gadget, I was a full contact guy. I was like scorched earth. Yeah. And I said to them, I said, I really appreciate you explaining it to that man. I un- totally have empathy for what you do, what, how you have to do your job. I'd be honored to have this institution in launch fund 10. I'll yeah. still be here. You'll still Genius. be here. I'll talk to you in five, 10 years. I'll come to you with every fund and get your, f- I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate all the advice. I totally flipped it with them. Yeah. I said, and even when I don't Genius. need your money, yep. I would love to make this institution money. And I would be proud to help your mission. And I just totally became like mega gracious. Jake Cal and i have remained that way with lps it's an honor to even have the audience even have you consider it so for all the people who turned us down i'm like i totally get your job there's a thousand he said before there's 1800 funds i think there's really like a thousand because there's all kinds of like i think there's double counting of funds in there and stuff put the number in a thousand you, you got a thousand sure. and you can have 20 so you can have two percent if I become 2.1% or a part of the 2.2% at some point or some, fu- you drop a fund. And by the way, they don't generally drop funds. It's very rare for them to drop a fund. They yeah. like to, when they when they go in for a fund manager, these big LPs, Molly, they stick with them. They tell them, we're going to commit to three or four funds. Mm-hmm. So our biggest LP, I will not say who it is. They told us, hey, we're going to put the 10 million in this fund. We want 25 million in the next one. Would you guarantee us that? I said, absolutely um and they're like we want to be with you for three funds we want to build this relationship once we go through the work to vet your fund then we want to be with you on the journey for a couple of funds right and so i think that's this is the stuff where it feels to an outsider and rightfully so and i was an outsider that they're against you and i i tell this story because let's face it the system was biased Mm mm-hmm so, you could feel like it's biased without having the empathy for what they're doing as well, right? And, and all both of these things can be true at the same time. They can mm-hmm. add funds at a radical pace. They're not designed to do it. And there could have been institutional bias. Mm-hmm. And people could be changing the institutional bias, but because they only add one or two funds a year, they already added their one female-led fund and their one underrepresented fund. Right.
0: And maybe and they made them the same thing and same investment. So, there's no more room in the, yeah. Yeah, the and they did,
1: they can only absorb one or two based on their mandate. Therefore, um, you might, as a first-time fund manager, just might not have enough track record for them. Or mm-hmm. if you are the fifth with a track record, they've already added their two, and the third, fourth, and fifth can't get in. They can't add five funds a year. They just don't have the manpower, the staffing. Sorry to use a sexist term. They don't have the staff. They don't have the resources. They don't have the the infrastructure to just manage those relationships. Certainly not with small funds. That's the other thing is they, they write big checks. So I was like, I was also telling this person and they were a person of color and we we're having like a full contact, you know, discussion. Uh, And uh, they were calling me a racist. And I said, but you're also a little bit naive here. You, you're you raising yeah. a $10 million fund. You don't have a track record. You don't, you haven't invested in any companies yet and you want them to give you a hundred million dollars. Like you're being completely naive. Uh, And I, I just had this like candid discussion. Like you told a black person <laughs> who's a, trying to be a fund manager that I even, I was like, okay, I've been naive in my approach as well. I'm just trying to help you here. It was a pretty interesting discussion. Um, I felt the person was not having a good faith discussion. All right, listen, reforge is a career development platform for top tier professionals, people who work in growth, product marketing and engineering. These are like the four pillars of your company, aren't they growth, product marketing, engineering? Are you making those four functions and your leaders in those functions? As great as they can be. Well, Reforge onboards new members and cohorts, and then they give them year-round access to all the program content, a vetted community of peers, plus weekly releases and events. And here's why members love it. Well, career advancement. You're going to want to get a promotion. You're going to want to get a raise. And how do you justify that? By being better at your job. How are you going to get better at your job? You're going to do skills training and work with a community that's going to make you better. You're going to sharpen your blade at Reforge. Their summer cohort is starting July 18th, so you got time for you to become a bigger contributor at your company. You want to apply for membership today, and you have to apply. Reforge.com slash twist. Applications take under three minutes, and if you get in there and you're accepted, you're going to become a super executive. You're gonna be a real contributor to your team. Apply at
0: reforge.com slash twist. R-E-F-O-R-G-E dot com slash twist. Well, sometimes, I mean, you know, not to derail us, but sometimes when you have a lot of scar tissue built up, yes, it's you 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 don't want to, right? It's hard to engage mm-hmm. in that. Hmm. It's hard to engage in that intellectually and not emotionally. Correct. Because yes. there's a lot of real pain and harm and it's yeah. It's hard to let go of that.
1: And I had a a smaller version of that. I had a chip on my shoulder coming in. And I was like, I don't want to be disregarded because I didn't go to an Ivy League school. You know, I'm the kid from Brooklyn. I want this Ivy League school to give me some money from their endowment. Mm -hmm. And I took it personal. And I was like, was it because I didn't go to Harvard or Yale or, you know, Stanford? Is that the reason? And they're like, no, we know who you are. We watch your podcast. We've read your book. We respect you. You're not listening to us. You don't have a long enough track record. Get to your sixth, seventh, eighth year. Get to your second unicorn. Right now you have Uber and Uber and Uber. Like, we can't tell if you got lucky once or if you're good at this. Like, literally, somebody gave me, because I asked them, I said, I give you complete permission to be candid. Mm -hmm. Be as candid as you can. And they're like, this is how LPs are going to look at you. Did you get lucky on Uber because you knew Travis and you were friends with him and got an allocation? Or can you get hit a second uber and i was like okay let me get back to work let's and see then what? it was like grin density you know and they're like oh you don't own enough that was the other thing they told me you don't own enough of uber so we don't believe you could get a big enough allocation i was like oh is that right okay two percent of superhuman five percent of density twelve percent of grin let's go five percent of calm. let's go okay what's what's the issue now and then yep. when i go out and you'll come out with me for launch fund four and you'll be in the meetings yep. now it's going to be like okay now what's the reason why can't you back Cal? right oh you're not adding funds this year okay fine i'll take it It doesn't matter to me i'm gonna raise my fund way or the other if i have to raise 50 million dollar funds you know every two years instead of 150 million dollar one every three it's no sweat off my back so Mm -hmm. i I think you have to since we're here in vc sunday schools it's a a bit of a, a deep rant here you have to look at this strategically as an under Uh, as somebody without performance yet, no track record, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. or a person who is underrepresented, underestimated, whatever term you want to choose, uh, um, and they're loaded terms. I don't know if people find underrepresented, underestimated as, you know, insulting or inspiring, putting
0: it all aside. Just real thing. But yeah, I think that's right. Underrepresented is fine. If you're an underrepresented founder and that could mean your race, your gender, your age, all of those things. Country of origin. Country of origin, it may be a different path, and I think what we're saying now is the the most important thing takeaway here is those different paths exist. Yes, previously they didn't, Mm. and now they do. So go get it.
1: That's thank you for saying it that way, because you know when I say it, people are like, "White guy said X," you know, or "Guy who got lucky on Uber said Y," and you know, it's I'm really coming at this from like, there's a back door.
0: Mm -hmm. there's like this back door over here you Mm -hmm. you don't have to go through the front door just do an spv and it's not lesser the back door is not lesser like Like it's not you know i mean i think that's what's important too there's not the there's not you're not cheating you're not cut like you can just sort of say this system is not working for me at this moment and doesn't want to and i'm going to find a thing that does work for me like that's as I and and told all, everybody, they're all equally good options and in fact some of the new ones might even be better
1: I, I just told everybody when i came in the game i made my own lane period and people were like oh how could you quote Kanye?" you know whatever it's like because it's the <laughs> truth like there is a lane here and you can make your own lane and be so good that they can't deny you and you know what everyone's like oh you're putting small dollars to work to, not to the founder not to the founder, that first 50k, that first 25k, the 100k, that's an early commit is more valuable than the last 250 where there were 10 late stage companies who were throwing money at the founder, the founder, when they get that, they're like, Oh, okay, look, I got I got one term sheet, two term sheets, three term sheets. Uh, you know, they just pick one best terms. Mm-hmm. That's not how the angel round is. And if you go out there, you say to the founder, I'm going to, if you give me a 50k allocation, I'm going to raise it in an SPV one to 5k at a time but i believe in you i want to be an advisor i'm going to go out there and sell the heck out of your company i'm going to get an spv with 50k in it you might wind up getting 250 and all of a sudden and that's what happened to me with calm calm was going to shut down i found out yeah. after yeah. Uh, alex told me the story it made me very emotional when he told me the story because he said you know what Jake? um i need to tell you this he told me on stage we had pitched 40 vcs they all said no you were so enthusiastic and believed in us so much. And then you showed up with $376,000. 50K from the launch fund one, $328,000, I believe, from the, the syndicate. The first syndicate I ever did. He said, we couldn't believe it. We almost didn't want to take the money from you because we're like, he's the only person who believes in us. Nobody believes in us. We're going to fail. And then we're going to take j Cal's money. They, they, they kind of felt like, almost like, if nobody believes in us and we burn j Cal's money. And I was like, Wow, it's so obvious you're going to make it work. You got the domain name com.com You created the million dollar homepage. The product is excellent. People are getting value from it. You've made ten thousand dollars already. I was like, let's go. Mm-hmm. It's a hundred fifty million dollar position for us now, or something in that range, depending on you know where the value is. We own five percent of the company, yeah. yeah. And I got that by passing the hat. There were sixty people in there on and in that SPV. There were sixty people, six K each. I'm trying to tell you. You could pass the hat for 6KH. I didn't know anybody in the syndicate. These were random people who also believed in it and believed in me. And that could be you. That could be you with an SPV. Just mm-hmm. go do it. Go to Assure.co. We own 5% of Assure. We invested a million dollars in the company. Uh, I think we're the only outside investors. You go to Assure.co. You learn how an SPV works. And you go pass the hat. And what if you hit calm like I did on your first shot out of the bat? Or Mm -hmm. any variation on that. Now you're a legend. Look at Arlen Hamilton, Mm -hmm. sleeping in an airport, homeless, black, lesbian, not from the Valley, not from the Ivy League. She went on Republic and raised $5 million, not for her fund, just for her operating company. And she raised it in like a day or two. People believed in her so much. The world of a bunch of small folks backing somebody is what. You know, uh, we're seeing, you know, in uh, politics as well, you know, a bunch of these $50, $100, $1,000 checks to support somebody. It adds up all those people who put Bernie on the map. I know he didn't win, but he became very prominent. Uh, Andrew Yang, those small reoccurring donations, they really change things. Crowdfunding changes things. GoFundMe, Republic, Kickstarter, Patreon. You look at those, that dynamic, that's Mm -hmm. in venture. It's called an SPV, special purpose vehicle. So here endeth the lesson. Listen, when you push your body really hard, it's important to stay hydrated. This is especially important for people with crazy work schedules, don't I know it? I've been getting back into shape lately and staying hydrated has been huge for me. So if you wanna keep your hydration up, you need to check out Liquid IV. Mixing Liquid IV's hydration multiplier in 16 ounces of water will hydrate you two times faster than regular water. And it comes in great flavors like watermelon, strawberry, pina colada, and more. Liquid IV utilizes CTT, or cellular transport technology, which enhances rapid absorption of water and other key ingredients into the bloodstream. Bottom line, Liquid IV gets you hydrated twice as fast, and it tastes great too. It's really a no-brainer. So here is your call to action. Grab Liquid IV in bulk, nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off at liquidiv.com. By using the promo code Twist at checkout. That's 25% off anything at liquidiv.com with the promo code Twist. We should just always play when I go on one of these tirades. If we want to have a drop, <laughs> is literally Here, take and, uh, the drop uh, I lessons. have uh, from the Untouchables. This is like one of my favorite Sean Connery characters, of, uh, favorite characters of all time. But Sean Connery is teaching Elliot Ness, Kevin Costner, about like his job. And job number one when you're a cop in Chicago is to get home alive and get home to your family alive here and the lesson now you're supposed to play the drop producers here and it's lesson if
0: you give them that permission they're just going to start playing it, <laughs> here end it so, no this so is whenever i go
1: but yeah i'm just i'm doing it with my team i'm doing it on twitter mm-hmm. you just i'm giving them a, i'm filibustering here, giving giving a little bit of time to upload the video clip here and it's lesson
0: yeah I don't, I don't think it's coming
1: think it may coming. not come you have
0: to have yeah. that one but that'll well, be one uh, of our
1: drops here. End while, of the we, while
0: we wait for that, we will get to an interview okay. with actually an oh. awesome uh, woman of color founder. Here we go. It happens to be my first one. My first founder Anukampa Freedom Gupta Foner. coming up going to For right the now. Sunday, this, this week climate in climate edition. startups. Yep. Fantastic. Uh, what do you guys talk about? We talk about her, her company, springeats.com and her experience in the accelerator. She's in our accelerator oh. right now. And uh, her experience growing up in India, a country that is, <laughs> has so much less waste that when she came <laughs> to the United States, she was like, what is wrong with this country? <laughs> and then just uh, got to work trying to fix it.
1: Love it. All right. Yeah, enjoy the, uh, en- enjoy the uh, interview, everybody. And happy Sunday. We're here happy for you Sunday. every Sunday. I, we haven't done Saturday yet, but I think the ads are going to sell out. Yet. Here, Molly, <laughs> we're going to need to add Saturday. Should we do SAS Saturdays? Or this week in VC Saturdays, uh, I mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. two options. Maybe the audience will tell us. Email us, producers. What would you have? Saturdays or this week in VC? You can bring you can this week in VC back. Maybe Mark Suesser does a, a, a Saturday interview. Been mm-hmm. talking to him about that a little bit.
0: Or we can do SAS Saturdays, or we could do 50 We could we could do it every other week. We could, so, we could do 50 50 we could do streaming like saturdays because it's like the weekend like we could have a mm, lot do a segment streaming on streaming
1: it's not a bad idea mm. can you imagine that this podcast is almost a seven days a week pretty great I mean, it's bothers. always my dream it's always, always my dream to be you know since the howard stern days i always uh love the having my own morning show my daily you know uh you know morning edition thing and then here we are doing it every yep. day Ubiquitous, love
0: ubiquitous, ubiquitous. Oh, I got a
1: lot to say. I got a lot yeah. to
0: say, partner. All right, everybody. Enjoy the show. Here endeth the enjoy. lesson. Here endeth the lesson. Here endeth the lesson. All right. Anukampa, Freedom, Gupta, Fahner. Thanks so much for joining me on the show.
3: Molly, thanks for having us. You bring out the best of me. And thanks
0: for joining us at launch here in the Accelerator. How has it been going?
3: It is phenomenal. Just, Just learning, absorbing, and... It's like the launch team has our back and I couldn't be more excited.
0: Oh, I'm so delighted. And other founders, we talked about this, I think once offline, I said, it's almost like when you have a baby and you join a mom's group because it's such a singular experience that it feels like being able to talk to other founders even a little bit in Slack is to must be really magical.
3: Yeah, no, it it feels great. It's the content, the energy, the, the feedback, just the ability to sharpen things. Mm-hmm. That coaching has not happened for us. So I, I'm just grateful for the opportunity. I'm delighted. I'm so glad it's going well um, and you're doing well.
0: And now, this is the part where we should probably talk about the company or the founder and CEO of Eat Spring. Do you call it Spring or Eat Spring?
3: Actually, Spring Eats. Spring uh, Eats.
0: Springeats. So neither com. of those. SpringEats.com. Tell us about SpringEats. What are you doing?
3: What are you building? Sure. So, springeats.com is an online grocery store. We do zero waste deliveries from farm to table. Essentially, it's a waste-free hyperloop for bringing you the best quality produce and foods that exist in a region in a community and getting them to you without any single-use disposable packaging. So, you get everything in non-toxic, reusable, refillable, returnable packaging. You use all of that packaging And on your next delivery, return the packaging back to us. We'll take it, inspect it, clean it, sanitize it, and recirculate it in our system. And it's a waste-free circular grocery experience.
0: Talk to me about the amount of waste, because I get grocery delivery and it's appalling. And it is probably part of the way they keep produce separated from somebody else's produce to put it in all the small plastic bags, which I would never do when I go there, but It's like you're solving two problems. One is packaging and grocery. Mm -hmm. And then two is the additional packaging that gets added on through delivery, right?
3: The whole system is pretty darn inefficient. What you just described to me is a byproduct of a 120-year-old vanguard industry. I'm serious. The last innovation, the last big innovation happened in the grocery industry in the late 1920s. Uh, the shelving and the stocking and the, and the grocery stores that you see today, they're a product of a different generation, a different time. What we need to do and what we are doing is make this transition to 21st century waste-free grocery stores and supply chains. And, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's what we're up to. Yep. Um, t- give, let's do some nuts
0: and bolts quickly before we talk about how you came to this. Currently, I know that um, as soon as I heard this, I was like, where can I get it? You're only operating in D.C. How is that
3: going? And tell me about the sourcing. Sourcing is the the heart of the product. So we're working with local farmers, local producers, local bakers, and essentially taking away one of their biggest pain points, one of their biggest costs, and that is the dumb single-use packaging. On average, 10% to 30% of a product's cost are the packaging. So when you go into the grocery store, you just paid like 10% to 30% of, of the tea. Like that was the packaging, right? That was not the actual tea. That was the packaging. And it's a huge problem for small producers and makers. So we're removing all of those inefficiencies for them by giving them good quality reusable packaging that they can use. Um, and, again, we source like the top 2 to 3% of all of the produce in the market. That's that's what we offer to our customers. The quality of this, the sourcing of this is at the heart of this. And if we want to win this, we have to build the infrastructure on the supply side. And our energy right now is focused on building that infrastructure.
0: What is, when you say building that infrastructure, what does that look like? It, a, a system of suppliers, a delivery mechanism, all of that?
3: All of the above. So just just think about this, Molly. At this point in time, if you are Farmer Martin from Pennsylvania, to come from Pennsylvania to Washington, D.C. to sell your strawberries and your raspberries, you have to make 200 stops. 200 stops. And that's because he's a small farmer. Wow, He cannot make a grocery store. He cannot pay the shelving fee, the stocking fee. It's just way too expensive. So he's making all of these stops just to offload his strawberries and raspberries. And all of these are packed in single-use packaging. You can imagine how expensive that is. He has to market on his own. He has to figure out where he can uh, set up a a, a booth, what farmer's market he can go to. It's pretty inefficient. With Spring, he has to make one stock because we'll buy all of his strawberries and raspberries. He doesn't have to buy any more single-use packaging because he uses our reusable packaging as a service. And uh, life is easy. I got the best produce from a local farmer. It's less than 200 miles away. And people in the district enjoyed freshly picked strawberries sometimes from the same day. So we pick them up in the morning, we're delivering in the evening. Like, yeah, that's how
0: this works. In like a beautiful glass container or a reusable bag of some sort.
3: For the strawberries, we actually uh, are testing out stainless steel clamshells. Uh, it's, it's pretty amazing because there's a pretty deep user experience side of this. I mean, think about mm-hmm. this goddamn plastic clamshells. Half the time, they'll cut your fingers. They're so difficult to open. They need mm-hmm. some type of glue to be put, put in there. Like there's this packaging rage, wrap rage. It's real. People are struggling with it. And with good design, good reusable design, you achieve two things. One, we save costs. I can amortize my packaging thousands of times. My stainless steel clamshell is like a subway car. It's not a personal vehicle, right? <laughs> it's gonna get, it's gonna be used thousands and thousands and thousands of times, um, and and we'll keep washing it and reusing it. And because it's made of one material, right, single material, even at mm-hmm. its end of life, it'll give me value because it can be melted and remade into a similar product, right? Like that's the beauty of just thinking through the design element of this. The mm-hmm. second the second problem this solves is it's obviously better for the end user. You're giving them an aesthetically pleasing experience. The refrigerator doesn't look like a little junkyard. Like it's actual food without the garbage packaging.
0: So talk to me too about the... Um God, I really want to come to your design lab and see all the different packaging they're experimenting with. Are you actually experimenting with producing and creating that yourself and having it manufactured?
3: It can work two ways. So, we, and, and we have done both things. So, think of like 10 to 12 standardized packages
2: mm-hmm.
3: in which you can fill 5,000 to 6,000 products. So, it's not like we're going and making new things for everything. I need 10 to 12 good types of packaging. It could be stainless steel clamshell. It can be a glass jar. It can be a baguette bag and a produce bag. And once we have that suite in place, like you can can just use it for pretty much anything. Now, in our first version, we have made a lot of it in-house. And the reason we had to make so much of it in-house is the system, the current system of linearity is like all built on disposables. So, what is available in the market is disposable packaging. Mm -hmm. The reusable packaging that I need just doesn't exist. So, a part of that packaging had to be built from the ground up. But a part of that packaging, we were able to source from other parts of uh, the country, other parts of the world, where reuse has been a norm. Like They just believe in the fact that you should be eating out of non-toxic, clean reusables. And, and and these are durable products. So, it's been a mix of both. But the packaging element to element of this is pretty damn innovative. In fact, uh, we have a waste-free labeling system as well that we are, we're testing out. So, um, I'm not sitting here and printing like 15 labels for like 15 homes, like Molly's home is number one. And and Jason's home is number two and Nick's home is number three. And like, let's, let's print and like put stuff on the bag. We're not doing any of that. We mm-hmm. have a reusable labeling system that we can use. So we're, we're not even printing paper. So, um, yeah.
0: Wow. And the, the unit economics of buying goods that don't have to be packaged, not having to pay that cost is partly what gives you actually an advantage over other grocery delivery services, right?
3: It absolutely does. I mean. Going beyond the environmental impacts of this, this is actually a good business. This is the definition of mission meets business because the most wasteful element in all of this is single-use packaging. And then you have created, on top of that inefficiency, a system of stocking and displaying and customers picking thing up, things up and then rebagging those things and checking those things out. It's just endless, just for context. A product that you see in the aisle of a grocery store, before it got there, it had to change like five hands, five different times. And then when, when it was put there, it's again going through you, and then it's going through a cashier. So it's, it's like pretty broken end to end. And when you remove that inefficiency, that unnecessary labor from the supply chain, you come out winning.
0: 40%, I just saw a note actually from the producers, 40% of plastics consumed are single use.
3: Oh, it's... for that it's, be? Or you're like, it's so much worse than that. It's, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So just, just for context, right? Um, over 90% of all of the plastics ever created, they still exist. It cannot be recycled. That's a joke. We all know that. Yeah. Majority of this plastic was produced in the last 20 years. So, our dependency on the single use has only gone crazy in the last 20 years. And um, overall, 29% of our country's carbon emissions, national carbon emissions, are a result of our packaging and waste. All of this takes a lot of energy, a lot of resources. And when you become efficient with this, when you become smart with this, you're running a good business you're taking climate action and more importantly, you're democratizing climate action because, I mean, what, what power do I have to deal with a freaking hurricane or a wildfire? I can't do anything about it, but can I control what comes in my kitchen and how I get it? If I can make that happen, I think that's, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. What do you
0: imagine in the future, like to, to stop the, the hand-changing? Like, do you imagine that stores go away or do you imagine that stores all become wholesale and you package on the spot? Like, if you really were just like, we're taking off, we're redesigning all of it.
3: Wow, I love that question. I, we're, we're imagining a couple things. First, every seventh vehicle on American roads is a trash truck. That's wow. insane. We don't want every seventh vehicle to be a trash truck on American roads. We want that to go away. We want to stop the production of single use plastics and single use packaging. So, inherently, you're transforming the way fossil fuel industry works. And the third element of this reimagination is there are over 44,000 grocery stores in this country. We want this to take off where the aisles of grocery stores. Right now, they're filled with single use products. We want to see them filled with reusable, refillable, returnable packaging. And that's the norm. That's what customers get. That's, that's how they use things. That's how they return things. So that's, that's our big picture vision, right? Like just, just transform some of these inefficiencies into these bread and butter industries. Yeah. So even if, for
0: example, I wasn't getting my groceries delivered, there would be there could be a future where what I see on the shelf is a stainless steel clamshell or a glass jar. And I buy that and then I bring that back to the store. It's sort of I mean, it's milkman. You've described it as the milkman model.
3: Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. the beauty of building the infrastructure for this Molly is like all of these other 44,000 stores like can make this happen because we build an infrastructure for this. So there will come a time when probably 10 years later, we're just assisting these giant big stores use the infrastructure we have created to transform their operations. They can't do this right now. They're unwilling to do this right now. That's that's just a fact. Nobody wants to self-destruct. No great innovation is going to happen in the you know, in, in the vanguard industry, like no executive wants to make changes, such drastic changes. But once you prove that this is what you're going for, you want to change the the way food moves in this country and even internationally. I mean, this is a global problem. You'll have people who can sit on top of your infrastructure and do the same thing in their own stores. I love it. Um, I just want it all to happen.
0: Uh what i want to ask about if you are not watching this interview if you're listening to it um i i want to describe or at least maybe just sort of give the example that the first time i talked to freedom and we got on a zoom i said are you did you just move <laughs> are you are you funny. in an empty house <laughs> and you were like no i just don't have any stuff you are actually living the lifestyle that you describe now, right? You live in effectively a zero waste home.
3: That's right. And I mean, just to do this right, to be a good designer, to empathize, to understand, we believe we have to be subjects of our own experiments. None of this happens without that. So yeah, uh, my husband Clifford and I, have made some radical decisions and taken some radical steps um, it's it's been about six years now that our journey started and we live in a home that doesn't have a trash can and um, it's about 60 percent empty um since the last time we spoke it's still the same I think I added a stool for my piano because uh I, I, that was an infrastructure piece that needed to be fixed but uh but but yeah that that's true. So what do you I
0: mean, what do you mean by radical help walk us through this? Because I feel like zero waste as a concept is starting to take off. But when you really look around, when I look around this office and I mm-hmm. think about, I don't know, just the box that the Kleenex came in or the little like my lotion came in this jobby. Like, what did you have to do and where did you
3: even start? Oh, boy. Um it started off uh, with a with a very simple product in the coffee industry. It started off with a coffee sleeve. Um, and well, and this was you and you started off at the clock. You started on like a
0: war on the coffee sleeve. This is a big part of your background story.
3: That's true. So uh, I mean, i've I've always been excited, and I've always worked in the environmental space, just a little bit of the background here. Yes, please. but um uh, but there came a time when I was very disillusioned just so disillusioned that I didn't want to take any action because I felt like this is not even a drop in an ocean. It's like you take five steps forward today and then you're taking 15 back. And I was on the front lines, Molly. I was um, working in conservation. I, I, I've done all, all of those things. And I decided I needed to go to graduate school. And my time in graduate school was, uh, was very clarifying. I learned, I I asked questions, and I I came across this idea that waste is an error of design. And Mm. if we could solve the waste problem, you're not solving an ancillary problem, you're solving a core issue because you can solve for water, you can solve for soil, you can solve for wildlife habitats. Let let me give you some context. In the production of single-use packaging, all of these things are impacted negatively. Air, water, soil, wildlife habitats, whatever environmental issue you care about, that's probably being impacted right now in the production of single-use packaging. And obviously, there's the disposal side of it. So for me, this is like a big systems issue. And when you start tackling it from the lens of waste, that's how you start solving it. Um, when that happened, we started just thinking about what to do, how to figure out waste. And the coffee sleeve from Starbucks said that intended for single use only and my literal question was why is it intended for single use and um i carried that sleeve with me for over six months clifford and i traveled to probably 50 percent of american states and i still used it every day i put it in my notebook i put it in my pocket nothing happened to it, it i know it's just a sleeve but hey we're we're experimenting right and mm-hmm. um it eventually left me when i jumped in the shenandoah river and uh, it was gone right mm-hmm. So um, oh. it, it started out with a coffee sleeve. But um, after that, it went to the cup. After that, it went to, how am I buying shampoos? How am I buying conditioner? What's coming in the home? And the kitchen was the mother of it all. Like that's the black hole of waste in your home. If you mm-hmm. can fix stuff in the kitchen, 70% of the waste that you produce in your home is like gone.
0: Wow. Okay. Give me some specifics. Uh. What do you... So I'm assuming you're buying in bulk, right? You're at the like bulk food aisle. Yeah. Are you bringing your own containers? Like, what is this?
3: Yeah. Yeah. What does this look like? Yeah. So, and there's a wiki how on this that we created. I'll share that with you after the show as well. So, um, uh, I mean, if you don't have spring near you, um, you're basically taking like 30, 40 jars to the store. You have like 10 to 15 uh, grocery bags, produce bags to the store. and uh, you, you go there and uh, you start filling up your mushrooms and your Brussels sprouts and, and like your apples, your oranges. You start filling up your little produce bags. Then you have the bulk bins in some stores and, uh, you know, you start filling those bins up, uh, your jars up from those bins. And you want to make sure everything is tear weight. So, you know, if the jar is a pound, you want to make sure you, you write that it's a pound or the bag is uh, 0.15 pounds because otherwise you will end up paying double for everything. Right, And the, the system is so frustrating. I mean, this is, this is the worst, but again, options are limited right now. So you know, I, I would fill all of this stuff up, and we'd have about two full jars, uh, two full grocery carts that uh, one Clifford is pushing one, I'm pushing one, there's some glass milk bottles or some stuff like that, and then you then you go to the cashier and're uh, like, uh, you want to make sure it's one of the cashiers who actually knows how to do bulk, because very few do. Mm. And then they'll like pick it up and like weight of the bag. Then I created a slip for them, standard weight for every bag and printed weights of the bags on the bags, printed weights of the jars on the jars. And then they would like literally stand there and one pound subtracted from the overall, overall weight. And this has to happen for 15 or 20 more jars. This has to happen for 15 or 20 more bags. And uh then I'm on the other side and, um and it's frustrating. Right. Yeah. But, but that option just didn't exist. And we did this not just here in the District of Columbia. We've done this in 47 different states. Um And like done
0: the shopping trip that
3: you just that's described. Right. That's uh-huh. right. That's right. That's uh, right. In 47 different states. and And you're like, how is this? normal like Mm -hmm. this is the most inefficient thing like you you can't you can't do it this way and when the pandemic hit um i I was i was getting a little sick of the coffee industry i have to tell you that when you start trying to sprinkle reusability circularity even sustainability on linear supply chains you can only go so far they were designed for something entirely different and Um, after the pandemic hit it was it was like cannot do any of this anymore grocery and food is where our heart is let's let's figure out uh, let's figure out how to do this for our neighbors so that's how that wiki how came by shared it with a couple neighbors and they're like love this i am sorry we have no patience to do this ourselves but if you bring it to me i will pay you and um and and yeah so i started taking orders on excel sheets like put put everything that that we could from a grocery store on an Excel sheet. This is twenty twenty. We're we're still testing stuff out. We yeah. didn't have a grocery partner. We didn't have like space, etc. So um, we we started taking orders on Excel sheets. And just just had a couple neighbors, and um, it kind of blew up from there. Um, there was an overnight waiting list, and it was pretty unique because that had never happened to us before. Every yeah. time were like sitting there and pushing ideas and pushing stuff and hey person this is how a reusable coffee system works hey person this is how behind the thing the scene behind the bar stuff works and um and with this like people just came to us They're like i want this and i want this and like okay so we found some space in a local food co-op to do our private beta and like had our own garage and built like a uh, website we put like 500 products on shopify and like started figuring out how to do deliveries and um it, it it we have a we have an electric vehicle that became springs official eV and it was just packed to the gills and um I was standing there at four o'clock five o'clock getting deliveries and like packing bags and like making sure everything's going to the right person and, and there's a sense of efficiency that goes into all of this and um, you know Cl- Clifford created data models in the back end like how do we price this stuff like what's mm-hmm. the what's the unit economics how are we going to figure this out how are we going to figure that out like the the engineering that went into every delivery like to me that was pretty freaking awesome and it yeah. came to a point that uh, oh brother like I think we may need to raise some venture capital to actually scale this because um you, you know i just told you the house has been empty this is how it has been the garage was a different story there were like 50 <laughs> banker boxes in the garage and we had a we had a partner for all the washing and the cleaning so we we contracted a facility that had like food permits and other things and it yeah. would wash everything for us and i would find myself just on the road washing cleaning collecting deliveries doing deliveries and I'm like, this needs to happen under one roof. Like mm-hmm. what is so hard to understand here? And, um, and, yeah, it, it came to a point that we're like, we got to put together a presentation for this. Like how do you how do you communicate this idea? You know, like how how do you figure out what what you're going to need to to get like the whole of d c on board? So that's a little bit of the backstory for you. It's
0: amazing. And then one of the things I found so interesting is that you said your customer acquisition was effectively just, finding buy nothing groups and people who want to be uh, people who just want to reuse.
3: Absolutely. That's the best part. I mean, people are hungry, no pun intended. People are hungry, and they are hungry because subliminally, we all understand that We've had enough of greenwashing. We've had enough of single-use packaging. There is a sense of frustration. What do you do with all of this stuff? So we partner with grassroots organizations who are very happy because we are an authentic mission. We're not sitting here and saying something and doing something else in the in the back end. And I, I have to say this, the word zero waste is getting bastardized. Uh, I came across a zero waste service that sells single use uh, waters, uh, single use diapers. I'm like, you have no idea what zero waste is. Like people are going to eat you alive when you actually try and scale this because people are beginning to understand what this really means. And, and for us to be able to come from this innovation background where we wrangled our heads to work in the coffee industry, in the back-end supply chain, front-end supply chain, and farmer's mm-hmm. markets. How do you get rid of waste? And like such fragmented supply chains, when we built our own, it just made sense to people. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, that, that, that's that been fascinating and, and yeah. truly gratifying.
0: And you're really building a reverse. We're sort of all over the, the place between your zero waste life and your business, but clearly there is not that much difference for you. You're now building effectively a reverse supply chain.
3: That's exactly right. It's reverse logistics at its core and yeah. it has not been done at scale anywhere except, except from where I come from. India is a great example for this. Uh, my inspiration is the Mumbai Dabbawalas Molly, this is a, this is a delivery service, a lunch delivery service that started over a hundred years ago in India and they make one mistake for every six million orders. And it's a six sigma lean process. And none of the people there went to any crazy Ivy League schools. They just understand how the system works, Mm. what operations means. There's a sense of excellence in like making something like this happen. There's a sense of resourcefulness that is needed. And that's what we're bringing to, to the table. I mean, my grandmother never had single use disposables like Mm -hmm. can you believe that i i have seen that i have seen her kitchen i've seen her pantry just being in a different part of the world and and now living in america the juxtaposition is crazy so yeah
0: is the lunchbox delivery service that you're talking about it it's also in reusable containers like this is literally the model like you were like this i know this exists and it's in a city as big as mumbai so we can definitely do it here
3: Absolutely. It's it's all stainless Amazing. steel. And, and uh, you know, uh, chiefs from uh, FedEx and UPS go and study that model. They have written Harvard Business School uh, case studies on the model. There is so much innovation in parts of the world where resourcefulness is your only way to survive. Well, and that's one of the things that you said to me
0: when we first met that when you were growing up, you just did not see that when you came to the US, you were just astonished by the amount of waste in yep. general soda in cans general, and yeah. wrappers and this and everything Food
3: waste my goodness food waste, and, and yeah. food waste is a is a part of the tech puzzle we're trying to solve here grocery stores waste an immense amount of food when we change the way at spring how farmer morden is going to bring his strawberries to us we fundamentally also like inadvertently but in a good way we've changed the way uh, the the food waste equation works because you have a we have a more, you have more like a push system rather than like, I want this, I want that. I'm, I'm working with, with what the farmer is giving us. So um, there's a very good positive externality and that is solving for food waste while working on this, while working to solve the packaging problem. Yeah.
0: How do you scale this? When I brought this uh, to Jason and said, this is a great company, I'm super into it. He said, well, it's awesome. We all agree we want it to exist. It might be operationally insane. How do you overcome the sheer operations challenge, not just in one city, but ideally, you know, all of them.
3: Yeah. So just conceptually, right, Molly, the way we think about it is you're building a railway track. When you've built the railway track, anything can ride on it. Any type of car can ride on it. That's how we think about scaling this. So right now in the District of Columbia, we're working direct to homes. The way to scale this, take this to the next level, is you bring on board campuses, restaurants, commercial kitchens. All of these people need a supplier for their food. They all need a supplier for their backing kitchen. When you've built the system, you don't just go deliver to a home. You start delivering to bigger organizations and bigger systems who need your products. Mm -hmm. essentially you become a food distributor for a group like that right Mm -hmm. and when you have a regional warehouse a regional back-end system i don't just have to serve in washington dc i can take that to alexandria from the same place i can take that to arlington i can take that to baltimore suddenly i'm covering like six million residents of the washington dc metro area of mm-hmm. course there's physical infrastructure that is involved in it but that infrastructure doesn't have to be inefficient it can be made efficient by like doing all of these things that i just shared so there's a there's a math, there's a science to scaling this and it it starts by truly getting into one market like like acquiring every part of that market that you can and from there they're going to adjacent markets where you can leverage the existing system that you build and, and you keep building upon that. That's the way you scale something like this.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. Now I want to do a little bit of a lightning round of zero waste categories, but okay. I want to leave us with some tips. So the kitchen, I think we have sort of like, sounds like groceries generally covered. What about beverages? Like how do you get zero waste wine?
3: In a, in a bottle that is filled with wine and the bottle is returned to us and, and the winemaker packs the bottle again. And, um, the, this is such a big problem. Um, like two, two back end contexts, very important. The world is running out of sand to make glass. That's real. So we have a huge raw material shortage to make glass. So you will have to use and reuse your glass before throwing it away or before recycling your glass it it needs to happen yeah in your own state there are bottling bills coming out from the state legislature which are forcing beverage makers to use reuse their wine beer kombucha bottles like fill them up again so there's a legislative framework a policy environment that is really propelling the work that we're doing and I'm so grateful for that because we need that assistance to to get more partners on board. But you get wine the same way you get pasta or the same way you get strawberries or the same way you get your baguettes.
0: Mm-hmm. So if I am, but if I'm in Oakland and I don't have spring yet,
3: <laughs>
0: then I could try as a consumer to potentially find a winery that would refill my bottles for me.
3: That's right. If you're willing Does that to, exist? Yeah, 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 you could, you could, you could, uh, you could uh, look that up, and and that's possible. And again, yep. legislation, not just in California, in multiple parts of the country, it's it's happening. I, I have to say this. This is one of those issues. I'm saying this softly because I don't want to jinx this. So I'm <laughs> I'm like really like keeping my fingers crossed. This is a nonpartisan issue. Everybody Ooh, hates I heard trash. I heard lightning. I heard lightning. Everybody hates trash. Yeah. From the staunchest Republicans to the most liberal people. So, legislatures around the country are taking note. We're, nationally, we are running out of landfill space. This is all real. So, mm-hmm. um, y- you're seeing a policy environment where consumers will be equipped to do more and more and more uh, propelling businesses just like ours.
0: What do you do? I'm going to continue on the, the categories. So, I'm assuming that you don't. Do you have a TV? Do you have like a remote control with batteries? What do you do there?
3: So, uh, for batteries, I actually have rechargeable, reusable batteries. Okay. Um, that's right? an easy one. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I don't have a TV though. Uh, we do have a computer to watch stuff yeah. on. Yeah. Yep. Um, what about like, I'm just
0: looking at tissue and hair ties and stuff. It's just reusable, sure. right? Or sure, do, you sure. use ha- do you use
3: hankies? i show
0: you my hanky. I don't She'll wear without my
3: hanky. She's got a hanky. I knew it. There's a hanky. Uh, I, I have a hanky. You know, handkerchiefs were all the rage. Uh, you, you look at like these, uh, there's a New York Times uh, uh, piece on this from two years ago, whatever handker- happened to the handkerchiefs. It was a symbol of classiness. Uh, this was so real. So uh, I have got handkerchiefs from, uh, from Clifford's great-grandma. They are beautiful. They're oh so gosh. pretty. So hankies and and towels Thanks. at mm-hmm. home for any. Uh, we don't have single use towels here. We have all reusable towels for the kitchen for for everything else. Yeah.
0: For the bathroom. For the Towers bathroom. The bathroom. Yeah. So uh,
3: by by the bathroom, do you mean a toilet paper or do you? Mean- I do. I mean toilet uh, okay. paper. Yeah. 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 So we have bidets everywhere. Uh, that yeah. That's 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 what we knew got. you are going to say bidet.
0: I, I was texting with Rachel about that. And I was like, I bet it's bidet, which I have.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's mm-hmm. all bidets, but I do have a point about the about the bathroom. So I know um for some folks, bidets may be like um like hey, this is too too new for me and, and things like that. But so um, but the problem, if, if you want to use like traditional toilet paper, my, my urge is don't use traditional toilet paper. The biggest TP-making companies in this country are cutting down old-growth forest to make toilet paper. So Canadian burial forests are cut to make freaking single-use like oh, toilet God. paper. If you yeah. need toilet paper, bamboo toilet paper is a better alternative because we need all these trees to just naturally capture the carbon. We don't need them to clean our bums, so... Is yeah, that no, too I explicit for more. your show?
0: Not in the slightest because okay. I was going to, because I like maybe offline, I'm going to ask you about period because I looked up zero waste um, period. I, Life and right I was like, now. Oh, there's yeah. a
3: disc. I bought the disc. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. There's a whole yeah. bunch of stuff out there. I, I, I can talk to you about zero waste period. Please, it's freaking uh, fascinating. It's, it's awesome. It's been four years. I found uh, the period solution that I should have found when I was 12 years old. And Clifford has not had to run to a late night pharmacy for me because I have the ultimate tool at hand. So I have reusable period pads Mm -hmm. and they have reusable slip-ons in them. I I use them for my period every month. I wash them, I clean them, and I use them again. Um, Mm -hmm. It is pretty awesome. And even from a point of view of like how much chemicals the everyday woman exposes herself to, Mm-hmm. through single use period packs it's all gone my period packs are organic cotton and i wash them every time i use them yeah it's it's great i, I think i bought like 15 i still have all 15 wow yeah and you just you yeah i live with
0: 15 yep i got the cup the cup yeah the cup yep. is cool the cup the is cup. cool yeah i mean i i think that people are taking these kind of baby steps and once you have started taking a baby step it snowballs. It snowballs so quickly. Exactly.
3: And, exactly. and we
0: need to influence consumer behavior. You have to give consumer something to buy, which it, is, is what you're working on.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and in, in your uh, in your rapid fire, right? So I'll, I'll give you an example of uh, how the vacuums in this house work and how the f- air filtration system works. Yes. And none of it is single use uh, filters. So the vacuum is, has, has got a uh, washable filter in the vacuum. So, you know, I like pull it out every couple months, uh, wash it. The same thing with the air filters. I I don't have single use air filters. It's a stainless steel air filter. You just hose it off, you dry it, you put that thing back on. Um, So stuff like this can happen. Alternatives exist in the marketplace. You just need like one place to start. Like you said, Mm -hmm. once you start, you can kind of can't stop. It's
0: pretty addictive customer behavior. It really is. Well, and then tell me about the greenwashing part of it. Because if you start, you know, putting zero waste into DuckDuckGo, then you get zero waste kits and there's all kinds of things that people want you to buy that have this name on them. Some of those things seem legit. Others maybe aren't. Like, how do we know when we're getting greenwashed? There's a formula for this. Okay. Okay.
3: If the product that you're buying will help you get rid of single-use products... 150 times you made a good purchase i say 150 because you've kind of beaten every other environmental metric by that point mm-hmm. so when you're buying like a tote bag they say you should use it 30 times to actually beat the environmental impact of making that tote and then then you keep using it more and more and more and um, you've basically surpassed everything that went into making it and you made a good choice i'm saying 100, 150 because We've got to transition away from this idea of fast fashion and cheap products to buying things that are actually durable, that will last. That's the first way to understand if you are being lied to, if you are being, uh, you know, fooled. The second way is single use. Anything does not beat reuse. This includes single use compostable packaging. Mm. Um, single use is single use. There is water, energy. Soil, air, habitats, resources that have gone into procuring the raw materials for this, making the stuff, and somebody will have to process its end of life. So, single use nothing um, will beat reuse ever. Uh, A way to make sure Hmm. you're not being greenwashed is go for reuse, go for that product that you can reuse like at least 150 times.
0: All right, I have one. I think I'm going to stump you with this one dog poop bags
3: oh brother that's a very I hard one no that's super. a really hard one okay super we're gonna hard. have to
0: super we're hard. gonna have to get somebody on that yeah
3: the the challenge here is not just the bag though molly uh this is something we've thought about just uh, in, in terms of thinking through product design of, of stuff it's the poop itself i mean you know if it's like cow poop and horse poop you can put it back in the soil and use it as manure, etc with dog poop, with cat litter, um, you can't do that. You can't mm-hmm. leave it out in the elements. Like the product itself is a problem, so like the package around it is a problem. So the end of life of the product has to be figured out first, and then the packaging around it.
0: Yeah, totally. Yep. All right. Well, we're still. You know what? That's okay. That just means there are more problems left to solve for future entrepreneurs. Freedom. Thanks so much for the time today, and I'll be. We'll be stalking you through the accelerator.
3: Molly, thank you so much for having us. It's a pleasure. Take good care.